Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Lord, I thank you so much for the ability to um, stand before your people this afternoon and to preach your word. Lord, I ask that you would be with me as I speak and Lord that these words would be yours and that Lord it would be your word that remains and as we're even talking about it Lord that it would be your fruit that remains. Uh, Lord I pray that your word would go out and it would do what you promise it will do and it will accomplish much and it won't return to you void. So Lord we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in our lives through your word this afternoon in Jesus name. Amen. Well let's throw up um, the slide of Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23. And if that one comes up, we're going to read out the fruit of the Spirit together. Um, And if it doesn't, then I'm going to give you a test and throw Mars bars to people who know it, just like back in Sunday school. So, ready? Uh, One, two, three. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Come on, people. You did way better than I expected you to. (laughs) That's awesome. Well done. It's behind me, isn't it? Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. Are you pardon? Oh, um, it's coming. Oh, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> so um, last week, uh, Sunday morning, we talked about love and joy. And effectively, that love that we're talking about is not the love that we experience and give even as humans. That um, We have the five love languages that are um, acts of service, gifts, um, words of affirmation, um, <laughs> time, quality time, and physical touch. Did I say physical touch? Okay, excellent. They're the five. And, and we talked about the fact that if, if they were the five, that they're our human um, giving and receiving of love, that in order to be a fruit of the spirit kind of love, that they need to be derived, those languages need to be derived from the alphabet of sacrifice, that we're all choosing who we sacrifice for. And, uh, and love is, in essence, sacrificial, that Jesus always served to show love. And, and not because he's an acts of service guy, but because he was willing to lay down his life. For him, it was a race to the body. Bottom, not a race to the top. And so love is patient, love is kind, um, it is not proud, it is not rude, it does not boast. Love keeps no record of wrongs, it rejoices with the truth, does not rejoice in evil, um, it always protects hopes, trusts, perseveres. Uh, that, that kind of love is the ground of who we are, the ground of being, the, what's holding everything together because that love is God, God is love, and that love is Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us and Jesus Christ is holding everything together. If you're kind of you know, dabbled in new age kind of spirituality, you would have heard of, about that grounding that's holding everything together. And when Paul went to the hill of Athens, he said, you know, you're worshipping this unknown God. Let me tell you about that unknown God. And he explained to them about Jesus Christ. And people who are looking for spiritual things and they, and they love talking about groundedness and that, that centeredness. I tell you this afternoon, if you've ever, you know, you're still wondering, you're still stressing out about that. It's Jesus Christ. I, I, I feel confident that I can say to you that that is Jesus Christ, that the answer is Jesus. So love, joy. I love joy. Joy is great. I love to laugh and I love to have fun. But joy that's talking about the fruit of the Spirit goes way beyond that. And it is, it is a delight in Yahweh is a strong fortress and a place of protection. Delighting yourself in Yahweh. Who considers himself a more austere kind of person, more serious, less jokey, less fun, less laughy? Anyone? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of like you don't kind of just shoot your hand up automatically. You're like, I don't want to let people know. Um, like you would think that maybe that's something I've got to work on, but you could be such a joyful person on the inside and you might have more joy than someone like me who loves joy actually has because it's not your natural affinity or personality trait. It's God working something deep within you. Love, joy, peace we looked at this morning and patience, um, peace that transcends all understanding, that that comes when our perspective is realigned, when we know that he has overcome, that at the end of all things that he's the one who wins and is the victor, that even though our world seems a bit messed up right now, that he's bringing all things to completion and all things to renewal and redemption, that's what his word says, then we relax into that. And then when he says he is with us, even to the very end of the age, that when we've got someone with us who knows the way home, that we feel confident with that as well and the peace that surpasses all understanding comes to guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus as we turn our anxieties over to him patience 
Patience, oh, patience. Um, patience is hard and it's good to preach on on Mother's Day. But patience is essentially what happens through the testing of our faith. And we need patience in a bunch of different areas. And you can listen to the podcast about that. Um, we looked last week, kindness, gentleness, no, kindness, goodness and faith. Kindness, it shows. Kindness isn't just, be, bless you, Frank, be well fed and be on your way. Bless you, love you heaps. Hey, uh, have a nice night sleeping under the awning. <laughs> but kindness shows because we have to, show kindness and uh, and kindness should be practical kindness should show up um, goodness that God gives us he imbues in us his goodness that is phenomenal that is a crazy thought um, faith that he gives us the seed of faith and we cultivate the ability to trust him regardless of whatever else is going on around us that we say I'm going to take you at your word and not qualify me taking you at your word by my experience because it happens doesn't it you, you trust Jesus you trust what he says and then stuff goes nuts, right? And then it doesn't come through on your timeline or the outcome isn't what you thought it would be. But faith is going, I'm going to keep putting my trust in you regardless because I take you at your word. So tonight we come to gentleness and self-control. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. Something, 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 something. Yes. I Yes. Okay. Who taught their child this prayer? Yes. I'm just going to say, for me personally, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If as a five-year-old I had been praying that prayer, I would have freaked out thinking about, hey, I may not wake up. (laughs) But I understand that what a great place to put your trust in Jesus from being a child that actually this life is not all there is and that he holds your eternity in his hand. But when I think about gentle Jesus, meek and mild, I get a picture in my head of the Hollywood version of Jesus. And I'm not talking about Chosen, by the way, anyone who hasn't checked out Chosen, you need to check out Chosen. It's unreal. It just gives you a whole new view of Jesus as, oh, it's incredible. And the passion obviously is amazing. But there was a whole era of Hollywood Jesus where he like had Pantene hair. He was Aryan Jesus. He had blonde hair, blue eyes. He wore a beautiful robe and he kind of floated through the crowd and talked like this. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the earth. Judas, Judas, why dost thou betray me? And and, and there was nothing, it's kind of like this gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and there was nothing compelling about a character like that. There was nothing given human characteristics. It was already this ethereal creature of, of Hollywood Jesus. And that's what I think about when I think about gentle Jesus. But that's not what this word means. This word in the Greek does not mean when it says gentleness, it doesn't mean quiet and easily imposed upon as we would possibly think that gentle could be. This word in the Greek is the word praotes and it means strength in gentleness. It's the right blend of force and reserve. It's the place where you avoid unnecessary harshness, but you don't compromise or be too slow in using the necessary force. That's incredible that God wants to work that kind of thing in us. Where if I see something in you, I'm not going to be unnecessarily forceful about it, but nor am I going to have too much reserve to have the ability to speak to you about it. This is the Jesus who looked at a, a woman who was in the dirt after the crowd had thrown her there and were about to stone her to death. And he, he said, well, which of you has committed no sin? Will you cast the first stone? And when no one could, he then said to her, go and sin no more. He, he, he exonerated her and gave her the ability to walk out of there. And, and, and to start a new life. But he's the same Jesus who, who, though he did that, he stood in the temple and made a whip. <laughs> How long does it take you to make a whip? I don't know, but that's some premeditated force right there. He's making a whip and then he drives out the money changers. I, I, he, there's both pictures of Jesus where he's allowing himself to be whipped, but also making a whip. Jesus is incredible. He is a strong force, but also this beautiful, gracious, wonderful God who shows us the way to live. And so he shows us that praotes and that's how we should live our lives as well. It's the meekness that Jesus displayed. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I use unnecessary force. Anyone with me? And sometimes I have way too much reserve and I don't say what needs to be said. So what about you? Where do you fit on the spectrum and and does it depend on the day or the time of day? 
um, for you, I wonder. I wonder if this afternoon we could ask God to work that in us and what would that look like for us? Could we actually, in this prioritis, could we ask God and be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Because let's not forget that the fruit of the Spirit is from Him in us and outworked, that we could actually be the kind of person in our workplace, that when the time is needed, that we're the one to speak up. But we do it with love. We speak the truth in love. That, that, that love is still that foundation. I wonder what you need to do, whether you need to tip more or, or, or allow the fruit of the protest to be formed in you so that you speak up more. Or maybe for you, you're like, I love a good fight. Maybe you need to speak up less and just have a bit of gentleness tempering that protest. Protest and gentleness are actually two separate words. It's weird that it's translated gentleness. It's actually meekness everywhere else in the Bible. And meekness is for us in this 21st century is an even lesser word, but not, not then. It's strength in gentleness. So protest, gentleness. I wonder if God could work that in us this afternoon. And then self-control. Oh, self-control. Oh, self-control is not willpower. So I feel like I've got this one nailed. I just would ask the question, do you actually just have really great willpower? Because willpower, do you know that some of the best people that I know that have willpower are bodybuilders? Um, because they eat meat and greens and they eat it only at certain times of the day and then they work out a whole lot. They are incredibly self-controlled. And often they are completely obsessed with themselves. And so that's not a fruit of the spirit. That's actually just willpower. And self-control and willpower are not the same thing. Now, I wonder if how you've gone with your New Year's resolutions. Who, who's kept them? Anyone made a New, resolution, New Year's resolution kept it? Good job, good job. Who, who, who hasn't kept it? Anyone? A few? Who can't remember what it was? Yeah, a whole lot of us, right? Self-control is not willpower. Willpower is something completely different. And it is, it, like, it's, it's in its name. It's the power of our will. But self-control is worked by God in us and then has a benefit to those around us. It isn't just for us. So what does this look like, this self-control? Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul was preaching in a crowd and the crowd got rolled up and they were ready to kill him. And, uh, and he, he, called, he kind of um, mentioned his Roman citizenship so that he got to go and speak to a very important person called Felix. Now, Felix was married to a woman called Drusilla, who was a Jewess. And, Jew, and, and they often went to hear Paul speak while he was in prison. They, they went and visited him many times. Now, um, in my made-believe story, because uh, the Bible's only in headlines, I kind of feel like Drusilla was the driver behind that. She, she has a Jewish history. She would have loved to hear Paul's take on things. Paul is a, um, a Pharisee. He is high up in the Jewish stories. And, and, and she would have loved to hear, well, how come you think Jesus Christ is the Messiah? She would have been able to, to drill him on that stuff. And so Felix was there. And as they're talking, the Bible says that Paul begins to speak of self-control and the coming judgment. And Felix gets scared. And he says, I don't want to hear any more about this. I don't want to hear any more about this. You see, self-control, and obviously the coming judgment is a big thing, but, but it was self-control. The coming judgment scared him, but self-control offended him. Felix was known to be a man, a very, very harsh man. He, he slaughtered people. He was cruel. He was a cruel ruler. And so to talk about self-control and to talk about, you know, putting other people ahead of yourself would have been massive and, and hard for him to hear. Self-control, it's offensive. Your self-control will offend other people. I heard a story this week about one of the young men in our um, church. And he was at his workplace and one of the um, workmates came over to him and, and, and spoke about um, some like just normal, like inappropriate stuff, but not, not massive, but just, you know, what, what's in our world when people don't put God first. And, um, and he, he said, oh, uh, he didn't say anything. He just like was, oh, yeah, yeah, um, and didn't really respond to it. And then the boss of the person said to the girl when she said what she'd said to the fella, you shouldn't have said that as a Christian. You should have, you know, you should have been um, a bit more sensitive around that. And the girl went, oh, 
whoops, I'm so sorry. And she went to this young fella and said, I'm so sorry, I didn't realise you're a Christian, I shouldn't have said that. And he said, it's all right, like you're not bound by the same rules that I am, that, that's okay, you, you say what you want. And, uh, and then she, um, while they were talking about it, um, a fella walked in that plays on this young man's footy team. And a grown man, massive fella, and he says, what are you talking about? And the boss says, well, this fella's a Christian and, um, and, he, and this person was inappropriate with him. And he looks at the young fella and says, you're a Christian. And the young fella said, yeah, yeah, I am. And he said, hang on, does that mean you don't have sex before you get married? And the young fella went, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he said, expletive, <laughs> was very shocked and used a very shocked word and said, are you serious? And, and this young fella said, yep, yep, that's, you know, that's what I believe. And he said, well... Man, okay, not for me, <laughs> but okay. And that was kind of one way to go. But for some people, it will actually be offensive. For some people, it will be like, like it's like, how? What on earth? Like, why would, you, why would you put your desires second to your belief system? Why would you put your trust in God rather than, than your, your desires and what you want to do? But this young fellow just stood his ground. And it's interesting because the boss said, wow, I am so impressed with you. He, she said to the young fella, I can't believe that you just stood there and, and said that you're a Christian, even in the face of someone, you know, almost mocking you. Because self-control doesn't make sense to everybody, but then it's a witness to other people. And that, will, that is what the fruits of the Spirit will do. The fruits of the Spirit will, will be offensive to some people. Some people will not understand how you can possibly be that loving. And it's offensive to them. And, and others will not understand how you can be joyful like that. And it's offensive to them. But the Bible says that what is the smell of, what is, the, what is life to one is a smell of death to another. So even though it might be causing some people to be offended to some, it's going to be like, oh, there's something different about you. And it's actually going to be what draws them to Jesus Christ. So here's the question. Here's a, here's a, a thought for you. Because if self-control is not willpower but is rather an overthrow of your will. So it's not willpower. It's not the power of your will. It's overthrowing your will for the will of Christ. And and if we concentrate on our will and, and try to drum up enough willpower, then we'll be so focused on what we're trying to avoid that it, who's ever started a diet on Monday? Anyone ever notice how much cake comes out on Monday? Spiritual warfare. But, um, but self-control is an overthrow of your will. And, and one scholar writes that, that the best self-control is the outcome of a change of heart. So rather than trying to change a mindset, 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 actually, here's a, here's a great prayer to pray. God, how do you want me to think about this? Rather than just starting with the outcome that you want, I want to stop doing this. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop eating that. I've got to stop drinking that. Just saying, God, how do you want me to think about this? And, And ask him to change your heart on that subject, on that issue. God, how do you want me to think about this? So right now, I just would ask that you just hold whatever it is in your mind. Because we all have things that that we're wrestling with. And I'm just going to pray this prayer and and you might think of that thing and hold that in your heart. I'm going to pray it for all of us. Lord, as we hold these things in front of you, would you teach us how to think about these things? Would you teach us and, and show us how you want us to approach these things? And Lord, we pray that your will, not ours, be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I miss goodness. And that's it. Fruit of the Spirit. What I'd like you to do now is just think about this. Okay, if they're love, joy, peace, or Earl Grey English breakfast, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Dara. Which of those do you feel like God's got a really big work to go on? in you. I just want you to think about that for a moment. And and let's give thanks for the ones that are coming really easily. 
and let's ask God for help with the ones that aren't. Well, I'd love to welcome this afternoon a great friend of mine who I've known for ages now, Carol. Um, Carol Herkham, would you welcome her? Carol, I've got a beautiful chair for you here. Well, Mikey Barlow does. <laughs> it's very pink. And um, that's our darling Amenzi back there. Just letting us all know he's got lungs. We love that little boy. Um, Carol, just for a minute. Yeah, this is going to be a singer. <laughs> he's making a joyful noise, everybody. Um, you didn't pick it, but it was. Um, Carol, just first question. Um, Amenzi just then, do you remember being a mum in church of little ones and having the judgmental glances thrown at you? <laughs> um, actually, I didn't become a Christian until I was 35. So my kids were actually older and more difficult. <laughs> I remember the first time we ever took them at ch to church and, um, and it, my eldest son, who you know is the quietest boy in the world, yes, yeah. um, walked out of church, shook the minister's hand and said, well, that was the most boring hour I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> and believe me, we didn't go back there because I was just too embarrassed to. <laughs> the only time he ever spoke, and that was his words. <laughs> That's fantastic. I remember, um, you would remember our children in church, Carol, yes. when they were little. And you and Greg gave us the best advice and, and said that the pastors always feel, like people always expect the pastor's children to be either perfect or little devils yes and uh, and you said just you make sure you give them permission to be whoever they are yeah that was so helpful for us one of the things that happened was that um the uh, me our dorma was inviting some friends to church and they said we can't possibly our kids are too crazy and she said oh no you should see our pastor's kids <laughs> <laughs> um carol can you tell us you, you've had probably the most interesting um, motherhood experience that I've ever heard. Can you give us a bit of a rundown? Yep, I remember um, doing a talk at a church, not here, and saying that I had three children who had three different fathers and three different mothers. <laughs> and, um, and not a single person said a word, but there were a lot of jaws on the floor. <laughs> so. Greg and I married when I was 20, um, and he is still the love of my life. Oh. And the only thing I ever wanted to do was be a mother. And, uh, and it just didn't happen. And after lots and lots of tests, the doctor said, you will never be a mother. You, it, it's impossible. Um, I think just after that, I fell pregnant for the first time, and... Um, I had six miscarriages all up. But I carried Tim to term, um, which was pretty horrendous because I spent about three months in hospital on and off. Um, and it was probably the worst nine months of my life. Um, so I had a miscarriage, then I had Tim, then we... We're told that we would never have any more. He was an absolute miracle. Uh, and so we decided to adopt. And we adopted... Uh, so Tim was only 17 months old when we were passed for adoption. And he was only 22 months old when we got Emily, who was only four and a half months old. So she is our second miracle. Because everyone told us we would never have children and then all those same people told us they don't let normal people like you adopt. Or abnormal. <laughs> um, and I just decided that it was really lovely to have a pigeon pair. But it, I just didn't feel finished. And, um, and so we ended up uh, long-term fostering Dan, who's our youngest. And he was six when he came to live with us. And... He was worth at least yeah. 10 children. <laughs> and, uh, yes, and he certainly cut the line off there. It was like three is enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I love them. To, I love them. <laughs> I didn't think that I could ever love the way you love your children. Yeah. It is all-encompassing and it doesn't matter how they come. Oh, wow. Because I would... 
I love Daniel equally as much as I love Emily, and I love both of those equally as much as I love Tim. Um, and they are the greatest blessings and the biggest heartaches <laughs> of my life. <laughs> That's incredible that, uh, that you would be able to, that it just is, that you love them all exactly the same, that they've come three completely different yeah. ways. What is that? Has that showed you anything about the heart of God and how he adopts us into his family? Yeah, I think, I think it gives me such a grounding in how much God loves me because of how much I love them. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carol, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Yeah. Which is the hardest for you? I struggle with all of them. <laughs> Don't ask my husband or my children because they would all tell me that I struggle the most with self-control and patience. <laughs> but I was sitting there thinking about it because you told me 30 minutes ago when you said you were going to interview me, um, <laughs> that you were going to ask that question. And I thought, you know, the hardest one is, is love, uh, is joy. And that's because... As a mother, you always feel as though you can only ever be as happy as your unhappiest child. You know, if you're, and it's a, it's a mother guilt thing. If one of your kids is going through something really, really difficult, you feel as though it's wrong to be happy. But God has so overruled that on me over the last few years and said, it's okay for you to have joy because I'm in control, you're not. Wow. And so, yeah, that's the one I've struggled the most with, but the one that I'm coming to terms with now. That's a great word. And, and then does that have to be a choice for you to... It still does. Joy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you always, when, when something is going wrong with your kids, it, it kills you. You know, it breaks your heart and then you, this guilt comes in that says, how dare I be happy when my children aren't happy? Yeah. But God says I'm bigger than the circumstances. Yeah. You, can be, you can be happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's still a choice I make daily. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Carol, you're someone who I think loves so well. Um, people feel really loved by you. But I also see you as someone who doesn't suffer fools gladly. No. <laughs> how, um, yeah. how do you manage that? Because obviously as Christians, we have to yeah. suffer fools. Um, <laughs> we have to suffer each other. It is not in my DNA to laugh well. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, and it is in my DNA to be very unforgiving. So when I... When God got a hold of me, not me getting a hold of God, it was the biggest revelation of my life to love him and then to love people because he's in me. And, and I believe in all absolute truth that you have to love people. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're up to. It doesn't matter if they're foolish you just have to love them and God will do the rest. Yeah. So it's not my job to judge anybody or to tell anybody how to live, even though I try to do that. <laughs> Don't I, darling? <laughs> I, try, I, do do, I do sometimes fall on that one. But, um, but we're called to love, you know, and it's, in all honesty, it's the most important thing that God asks us to do. He says, you love people, I'll fix the rest. But it, it's no good saying God loves you if the person who tells you that doesn't love you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think that the most important thing that we do as Christians is, is none of the things that people think, it's just loving. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Um, lastly, Carol, you have been a mum for how long? How old's Tim? My Tim's 38. <laughs> 38 years. What is some advice that you would give to young mums or young parents or, or even just parents in general? What's, what's one thing that you'd say if you could get a hold of something, get a hold of this? You'll get through it. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how hard, it, how hard it gets, you'll get through it. Uh, uh, like, that's great. You know... 
when you have kids and they're your own, your DNA is in them and so therefore you understand them. When you have children whose DNA isn't yours, you love them just as much, but it's harder to understand where they're coming from sometimes because they think so differently to you. There's nothing that isn't there. And so just just love them and they'll get through it. No matter how bad it is, as long as they're alive, there's another day. There's more better choices that they can make. And while ever they're alive, there's hope. Yeah, really. Wow. Oh, thanks, Carol. Can we thank Carol? Thank you. I'm going to... Um, close in prayer um, because I'm sure that you probably want to do Mother's Day things and uh, and so feel free to hang around I'm sure there's, look, that table's got heaps of food and that table you guys are held off, well done okay, well we're going to have a feast after this, Ta that table's got a little less food, you're right Ange um, <laughs> okay let's pray Lord I thank you for every single person here Lord, no matter what today is like for them, uh, Lord, I pray for everyone who has not yet called their mum to call their mum when they get home. Lord, remind me, I pray. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, everyone um, who finds this day difficult, I pray you comfort like crazy, Lord. I pray that you would um, remind us that, Lord, it's you that, Lord, puts your wings around us, that you said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to to comfort you like a mother hen comforts her chicks, that Lord, you are the ultimate mother and father, Lord, that you give yourself those attributes as well. So Lord, we come to you, we run to you, we ask you for help with parenting, we ask you for help on how to deal with our parents, and Lord, we ask you for um, to sustain us, and Lord, we pray that we might be people whose fruits of your spirit shows up in our lives, Lord, that we wouldn't be people that just go through and looked, look and act like we never knew you. Lord, let love reign in our life. Let let joy reign in our life. Let peace that passes all understanding reign in our life. Let us be patient, Lord. Lord, let us, all the others, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.